coming up on this episode of East Screen West Screen, Michelle Yeoh cooks in Thailand. The DVD of Love Lifting needs heavier encoding. And we look at the Taiwanese film Bad Girls and Men in Black 3. This is East Screen West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. This is the show where we talk about film from Hong Kong to Hollywood and lots of stuff in between. It is Tuesday, May 29th, 2012, as usual. I am your host, Paul Fox, and that man you heard just a moment ago at the intro is Mr. Kevin Ma. Uh, uh, hello, Paul. I'm still shaking. From it's, it's like You know, having to do that without, like, it, it, it was like being naked, you know? It, it's like I had no support. Whatsoever. You always have support. We all support like fall- you. It was like falling back, having like that solo thing going. But anyway, hi, I'm, I'm Kevin, and how are you, Paul? I'm doing bit good, doing much better. I uh, finally got my Diablo 3 issues worked out, and I am now uh, dungeon crawling and uh, slaying demons and venting my frustrations as they were in the virtual world. How, how have you been? Anything, uh, anything big, anything exciting over your weekend? Uh, no, I mean, just the same old. Yeah. Just being myself and yeah. hanging out and watching movies. Watching and, movies, uh, writing. Yeah, hang. Well, not not so much writing. <laughs> taking exactly. taking, a, taking a break in between, uh, in between translation jobs and whatnot. Yeah, well, the Mato, apparently the Mato job is still not done yet. There's some modifications to be made, but otherwise, um, yeah, more tending more to my personal life, I suppose. So now, what does that mean? When I mean, you've already submitted a draft, so they're going to change it and give it back to you, and you'll do some further editing. No, I have to do the editing myself. Apparently, there's some jokes that apparently I'm not funny enough in English. Oh, I've been told. Hmm. So, so yes, I have to try and be funnier. Or something. I mean, it actually is a very, very, very difficult job to do, mm. especially with Mado movies, because um, you know Cantonese. There's a lot of Cantonese wordplay here that you can't quite carry into English, so you kind of have to create jokes on there in English that would kind of carry the equivalent right. or that kind of humor. And I guess I'm just not a very funny guy. So, uh, but yeah. then I mean, I'm assuming that you are being judged by people who probably don't have a. Uh, a high command of English, I'm going to say. I mean, how it, it, if they're not pleased, why aren't they writing the jokes themselves, I guess is my my question. That is true, but, you know, uh, I, I am not at a, at a at liberty or at the in the position to to comment. Yeah, of course, you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, of course. Exactly. So I will essentially, I'll be a good translator and, you know, listen to them and, and fix it as they need i mean they are the people in charge and they know what's best for the film and you know because i haven't actually ever seen the film mm. i've only read the script so i would just have to you know give them you know be give them the benefit of the doubt or and uh, and do as they say because yeah, they are yeah, the, the yeah. boss they're they're the boss that's right now right. one question i have is sort of a you know somebody who's interested in the creative professions typically the jobs that i've worked on in the past and and the people that I know that have worked on, you know, writing jobs, 
Um, it's either you get paid a contractual lump sum to do a job until it's complete, or in some writing jobs you get paid, you know, for, for like film criticism, you get paid per word, you know, uh, five cents a word or something like this, some kind of a, you know, going industry rate. How does that, how does that work in the translation field? Do they just uh, contract you for a single sum and then you have to just work whenever they want to keep doing changes? Or do you get paid, you know, per character or how, do, how, do, how does that work? work? Uh, there are multiple ways because uh, actually I just talked to a friend who, who is really doing translation uh, over there in Japan and uh, and not film. I mean, just your typical documents, you know, like like real estate stuff. But um, apparently the, the general way is you either do input words, you count by per input word or output word, which is what you end up translating, or um, you log the hours that you're doing now for someone like me who's doing this you know part-time you know outside of work it's hard for me to log hours yeah so i generally just like to negotiate a flat because i kind of know the page numbers and and how long I, it, I would take to do it and um depending on the time they give me and that's i can negotiate a flat rate on that hmm. and uh and that's worked out for me so far um of course i i've gotten wiser in the last year and i realized how much people are ripping me off but what can i do i was inexperienced i'm still young and um but at least i'm still in a position to negotiate so um it's but you know the trans you, you'd be surprised that the translation field in english here in hong kong is still quite quite good hmm. um yeah well but you know they have some apparently some pretty decent people working over at uh at uh tvb because, um, you know, both of the primetime TVB dramas uh, have full English translation available now, which has uh, been going on for a couple years. So, you know, uh, I think those people are, are, are in there full time, which yeah. is, you know, it's good to have an in-house translator who who is consistent and who knows the, the, the way that the company works. You know, unlike... And interestingly, too, is they do a pretty good job because all of the ones I watch and, you know, we're talking about, you know, 20 episodes or or 30 episode series. Um, you don't see the kind of mistakes that you see in the Wong Jing movies and, and some of the stuff that we end up making fun of, Yeah, uh, which is kind of surprising that they do have a, you know, it's TV drama, but they end up having a slightly higher standard there. Well, in saying that, I am kind of breaking my own rice bowl, but it, the thing about the film industry is that they are always employing freelancers. And the thing with freelancers is that they, not only do they not, get an idea of, you know, consistent, what consistent translation rule of the company is. They, they also very done very in a very, very rushed um, time, time frame, especially in the Wang Jing movie where production is yeah. literally like four weeks long. You know, how much time do they really have to do subtitles? Yeah. Um, and also, of course, the problem is that you don't always get people who are experienced in doing film doing subtitles. You could be hiring a, a professional translation company who does, who do, who do a translation in time and on budget, but they don't exactly know certain lingos. Yeah, or and, and that's true. Language. I mean, that's why you get some of the really humorous uh, subtitles that you get in the films in the 80s and the 90s. And I've read in some books, and I've actually talked to some people here in Hong Kong that share these same stories, that the way it used to work was, it might, might still work this way now, but basically they would farm out the subtitles to be typeset um, separately from the film. So these would somehow be typed out and, and added in the film so that the people who were doing it, they didn't get to see the film. They would only hear the audio track. <laughs> and and a lot of times, you know, for the Chinese, it's not a problem. But for the English, they'd, you know, be getting like their their kid who's, you know, learning English in, in secondary school or something to come in and, 
and uh, do the best translation that they could, and it would sometimes, you know, come out to humorous results. Um, but they have definitely gotten better over the years. Um, yeah, I hear that there's a really talented guy who's just new in the field named Kevin who is, yeah, you know, doing yeah. a really good job. No, not really. I, I <laughs> Seriously, I, I'm still new, and, and if you see my name on the Madonna movie and the subtitles are bad or anything, I apologize. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. Come August, you will know. Um, even my last job, uh, Love in Space, um, seriously, half of my subtitles were corrected by someone, you know, hmm. or edited. And, of course, rightfully so. So... I do admit that I only had a very short time time to do that those subtitles, and they were rightfully corrected. So what can I say? You know, just keep trying. Well, we're going to talk about some other things besides subtitles today. We've got a couple films to talk about, which are the Taiwanese film Bad Girls, starring one-third of the supergroup SHE. And, of course, we're going to talk about the big uh, one of the big summer blockbusters this, this uh, season, that is Men in Black 3. Uh, all of that and a little bit more coming up right after a little bit of news. All right, we've got a couple news stories to talk about this week before we get to our films. Uh, up first, a news story I came across on uh, over at, uh, actually it was on uh, the Kotaku site, uh, part of the, I guess it's the Gawker uh, blog sites. Uh, I, I'm a pretty frequent follower of uh, io9 because I like their science fiction writing stuff. Um, but occasionally, you know, I, I head over to a, Ga a Kotaku link, which is sort of their gaming and uh, sometimes they focus on Asia culture. And they have this new, fairly new series, uh, sequence called Kotaku East, which focuses on uh, news coming out of, um, you know, Asia. And I saw this link, at the, the, basically the title of the story is A Chinese Idol in a Movie about Chinese gaming adolescence, and I immediately thought of um, Chase Our Love, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not Chase Our Love. It's this movie. No. It's this movie called uh, <clears throat> Pubescence, I guess, is is or, or Puberty Three, as as they write about it. I mean, the the English title is called Pubescence here, but um, it stars people I've never heard of, and I haven't seen any anything like this advertised around. The photos they have on the site, uh, they list, um, you know, this this young model, and it looks like, you know, she's got an online game that she's tied with. How this ties into the movie, I'm not really clear, but have you heard anything about this, Kevin? No, I mean, uh, no, this looks like, these are like advertising for the game, but um, at the most, it must be just be a short film. It hmm. can't be, it, I don't think it's uh, it's a real theatrical film. It looks like a simple short film production. Yeah, they've got a... A link at the bottom of the article that takes to a Chinese website that has a poster for the film, I guess. Um, it looks kind of weird. I don't know. It's it's I, it's like uh, the you know the, to describe this poster. I'll I'll try and put a link in the. Uh, in the in the show notes, it's uh, a girl's like holding on to a guy on the ground. There are like four girls behind her. One's got a sword. There's a guy in the foreground that you just see his leg, and he's like holding a bat, like he just beat up the guy on the ground. It's just weird. I can't I can't really you know make heads or tails of this. Um, they talk about the game that's featured in the uh, you know in in the film itself. Um, they make some mention of 
sort of a, a Disney-esque style. Um, but where, you know, as, as, as I look at the main picture on the Kotaku site, um, the girl is like, looks like she's about to take off her top, right? She's like looking in the mirror or something, and then she's got a guy tattooing something. I'm thinking, where's the game in all this? What does this have to do uh, with the game? And how is this playing in China? This seems well, a little bit risque for China, right? Well, yeah, but the thing is, it's trying to appeal to gamers. You think about that. It's trying yeah. to appeal to gamers and this kind of stuff. This, you know, I have to say it, gamers are very horny, lonely men. Not, not, not you, not you. Uh, most Chinese, <laughs> Chinese gamers. Yeah, we see where my horny yeah. loneliness got me, right? <laughs> yeah, most Chinese, um, Chinese young gamers are horny, lonely men who are sitting in front of a computer and can't get a girlfriend. But you know, That's I crazy. look at this. This looks like some like something you would have seen in Hong Kong ten years ago. It looks like it belongs in the Fruit Is Ripe series or something. Yes, but actually, this is such a tease because you know that nothing. They're never gonna go that far. Yeah anything like that so it's just the whole thing's a freaking tease i'm not i can't even wrap my head around this i don't understand what's going on here and and honestly i, I don't think anyone will care about this movie when it does come out actually i just looked at the uh i just looked at the interview with the with the star and yes she said it's a real movie that will play in cinemas i have no idea why huh. so um i don't think anyone will care uh when it comes out well uh yeah. I, I will put the link in the show notes if you're interested uh you can head over to kotaku and look, look up the, uh, look up the article itself. And I should also add in that I am not a gamer. A yes, I'm not a Chinese gamer. You're not a gamer, no. but you will go to Shenzhen to watch this movie. <laughs> 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 then I will be a lonely Chinese cinema goer, which makes yeah. me even sadder. Have you, have you even heard of this? I guess what is she a Langmo? I mean, is is that is she just a, a starlet? The, the thing about about Chinese girls is that there are so many of them. Yeah. So it's easy to not not know one, I suppose. But yeah, apparently she is a uh, uh, goddess as, of as night. The Dairy Queen girl, the Chinese Dairy Queen girl. Well, according to to this thing here, uh, the in the interview is that she is the goddess of otaku, ni- post nineties otaku, which means otaku who were born after the nineteen ninety, hmm. uh, and that she is their goddess, kind of like Steffi for me or something. Mm. Or, yeah, something okay. like that. Yes. All right. I don't know. Yeah. If you are uh, into uh, Chinese films that tease that they want to be Category 3 but aren't, uh, this might be up your alley. All right. uh, Next bit of news. We've got some news about Michelle Yeoh. Haven't heard from her in a bit. She's uh, off of her film, The Lady, which uh, did you get a chance to see that? I haven't gotten a chance to see that yet. No, apparently wasn't very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But apparently production is now underway on a new film. Uh, This article... Coming from Patrick Frater, uh, dated Thursday, uh, May 24th, uh, over at Film Biz Asia. Production is now underway in Thailand on Cooktails, an English language drama about food and family set in Singapore. Um, this is the much delayed film, directed by South Korea's uh, Gina Kim and stars Asian superstar Michelle Yeoh. It is fully financed by Korean entertainment giant E&M Corp., which is now hatching a new U.S. project with Brett Ratner, which they talk about below. So my question is, where is this movie? Is this going to be a Korean release, or is it going to be a Singapore release, or a Hong Kong release, um, a U.S. release? I'm, I'm not really clear on the, you know, where, the, where the home base of this film is going to be. 
Well, if it's financed by Korea, CJ Entertainment is going to be a Korean release first. I think they're aiming for some kind of international. They're trying to make back the money by selling international rights. So we can expect at least a Korean release with CJ, and then I'm sure they're going to try try and sell it to you know America and the rest of the world. Honestly, when I look at that name, I I can't. Yeah, I, it's you can't look at that name and not see something else. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. A, I hope that's just the working title. Yes, <laughs> um, or at least I, I at least I hope they break it up because, yes. into two words. Because as a single word, cocktails, um, no, it's not going to work in for U.S. It's not going to work does, for English-speaking audiences. Yeah, that does not look like two O's. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> and uh, you know, on uh, on the one hand, it reminds me of uh, the old cartoon, the Disney cartoon Ducktales, right? Uh, right. Have that theme running through my head. Yeah. Um, but and honestly, I, they're gonna have to try and convince us that there's nothing like Rice Recipe, the the Kenneth B movie that was also shot in Singapore. Yeah, yeah, um, and that was the one with um, the cook, right? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Martin Yan. Martin yeah. Yan, Yan Ken Cook, right? Uh, grew up watching him. And honestly, um, I would rather see uh, I would rather see Yan Ken Cook uh, than than Michelle Yo Ken Cook. Yeah. Um, the other thing that kind of sticks in my head too is, isn't there wasn't there a movie that just came out here? Uh, about a Korean family of martial artists. One of them is a cook or something. Uh, the Kick, but the that kick. was that was co-production Korean and Thailand as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was more a kung fu film. I don't think there's anything about cooking in that movie. Okay. If anything, there's probably a fight scene in a kitchen, but that's a close yeah. Thing. I think that's what I saw in the trailer or something like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the Kick, the Cook, uh, Kick Tales. I don't know. Kick Tales. Um, uh, Michelle Yeoh finding more leading work though in English. Um. I'm okay with that, you know. I think I think she uh, just needs the right roles. As long as she's not piloting her own pro- her own vanity projects, yeah. I think we're fine. Because the only time she did her vanity projects was Touch and Silverhawk, so we know. Yeah, I think I think we just pray. Do, do we really want to blame her for Silverhawk though? I thought that was more in Jingle Mom's court. No, no, that was totally her. It's her movie. Really? She piloted that movie. It's her vanity project. Yes, Jingle Mom's a terrible director, but come on, she was the boss in that movie anyway. That's okay. Crazy. Yes. If you say so. Yes. <laughs> Hong Kong Dave in the chat room says Silverhawk two. Um, no. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah, love you, you too. Yeah, no. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, Speed Angels too. Hell no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I just quoted Will Smith from Men in Black Three yeah. and Two and One and every Will Smith movie. Yes, uh, every other Will Smith movie. Yes. Um. All right. So you've got a news story about us uh, for us about uh, fire breaking out in the Kyoto Toei Studio. Yes. Uh. Very sad news. Uh. Toei Company. Uh. The studio in Kyoto, which has a very long history. Uh. Been there for you know decades. Literally decades. We talk about you know some of the best. Um, toy films being, you know, black, black and white film being shot there. Uh, they actually also own a studio park out, at, out in Kyoto. Um, one of the studio caught on fire last week, and uh, the studio has been destroyed, even though the it was brought under control within two hours. But sadly, the um, 1,300 square me- uh, meter square meter square meter meter square uh, meter square studio was destroyed. So um, sad. I mean, no, no one no one was injured, so that's good. And um, people. The visitors in the the studio park uh, were also evacuated, um, so you know that's the good thing coming out of it. The bad thing is you have you know decades of film history just kind of destroyed like that in a fire. It's just a little sad. How does this still happen in this day and age? That's what I I mean. I I know that something similar happened to 
uh, Shaw Studios, uh, when I went on a tour f with them here, uh, we went through one of their warehouses where they kept props and all kinds of stuff, and they said that a lot of stuff was apparently destroyed uh, during a fire um, some time ago. But, you know, in this day and age, you would think, modern technology, um, that they'd have better storage methods. I mean, I know in, in the old days, you know, in old Hollywood, storing celluloid film was problematic. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we're not, we're not really talking about film archives here. We're talking about, like, props and, and, and sets and set stuff and pieces like that, right? Yeah, I, I actually, it's a film studio, so I'm not sure what... Uh, I don't, I don't even know if it's a prop room, but you know the thing is, the studio has been around for a long time. This is an old building and wiring and things like you know yeah. accidents always happen. You know, mother nature, you can't tell with mother nature these days. Yeah, so true. yeah, it's an unfortunate uh, accident. Um, but uh, I hope they rebuild the studio and that things get back to. You no, know we need we need an app for that. What for? For for, for putting out fires. <laughs> get on that Apple. Make an app. Actually, what I miss, I miss the old, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember, but there was an old arcade game in, from like the late 1990s or early 2000s, you know, it's a firefighting game where you pick up the hose and you, and you fight fire. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I they should that. bring that on the iPhone. Sorry, that's totally a digression. Because <laughs> that game was awesome. Yeah. Anyway. All right, you got one last news story for us about GTO. Yes, yes. The, not, um, not, not, that, that's not BTO, okay, for you uh, people who are my age, uh. BTO being a Bachman Turner Overdrive? No, we're not. No, not, not YMO either, which is you know, your local <laughs> music orchestra. But no, uh, yeah, GTO is great teacher Onizuka. This is a very uh, famous uh, manga or comic book and turned uh, TV series. Essentially, made a star out of um, Takeshi Sorimachi, who made Hong Kong film fans may better know as the the hero in Full Time Killer. Um, anyway, the show has is getting a remake. Uh, the show was uh, that was back in 1998. There was a movie that came out of it. It was so popular, uh, but now 12 years later, they're bringing it back and um, they're casting a, a pop group member, a, a pop group exile members. Uh, Akira will be starring in the remake. Uh, for you Hong Kong film fans, Akira was actually in Legend of the Fist, starring Donnie Yen and Sean Yu, who's one of the bad guys, obviously, because it's Japanese. So um, this is his big, I think, his big uh, first big starring role, and um, he will be taking up the role of the rebel teacher who inspires kids through his bad boy, bad boy philosophy. Um, I don't know what to expect from this. Paul, are you a big fan of GTO? Have you seen? No, I, I haven't seen. I, I think I've caught bits and pieces of the Japanese anime. I want to say. Mm -hmm. um, it is I've never seen the live action. Uh, drama and I've seen some of the you know they've got a couple Hong Kong films that are sort of Hong Kong remakes of some sense um, that have been done over the years I've seen those um, but it's basically you know it's the, the 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 rough and tumble teacher type who's not really a teacher who comes in and teaches everybody great <clears throat> things somehow right yeah essentially it, it it did influence not only um yes hong because it was very it was one of the first japanese dramas to hit a big here in hong kong so it was very influential on those teacher movies it was also very influential on 
it became a genre, you know, the inspiring teacher who comes in and inspires the unlikely, unlikely teacher, the one with the rebellious attitude who comes in and, and influences a whole, whole class of kids. It kind of sets off. GTO was kind of the, the, the one that set it off. Yeah. You know, that teachers didn't have to be inspiring righteous characters, that they could have a bit of, you know, badness in them, that they could inspire uh, young people by acting young. And so of course, it, Hong Kong yeah. takes it to an extreme. The, the two that stick out in my mind, there was one, I want to say, with uh, Nick Chung, um, that was, he was like a gangster or, or, or an undercover cop or something. I don't remember. But he was in one. I, I guess you could say that... Uh, in some ways, Stephen Chow's Fight Back to School was kind of influenced by that. Oh, um, actually, can't because Fight Back to School came first. Did it? Yes, yes, okay. it came very early on because huh. uh, uh, GTO was late nineties, nineteen ninety eight. Oh, okay. I thought it was. I thought it, I thought the manga was earlier. Um, yeah. But there's another one called uh, the Hong Kong one called What Is a Good Teacher? I think with Francis. Mm. Yeah, Francis. Ng, I but think he's like a be. mental patient, and uh, but he ends up you know teaching the students and being a great teacher. So. What about uh, IQ Dudettes? Was that was that influenced by GTO? Uh, I haven't seen that one, oddly enough. Ooh, me neither. But uh, that apparently is very, very uh, controversial among our movie group. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Yeah, <laughs> you, you never. That's know. status quo for our movie group, where they like every movie, right? Yes, that is true. <laughs> but we do have someone in our movie group who likes Kung Fu Dunk, so you never know with with people. I like thought us. Kung Fu Dunk was okay. I don't know. See. See, you know, I, I, but I then again, I'm in the magic to win camp too. So, my God, I, I think we have a, a serious uh, problem here, Paul. I, I don't know how I can. Talk it's to the you. north and south all over again, right? Ay, 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 ay. It's more like the sane and the insane. Jeez. In other news, the Love HK Film Awards happened and were released finally, right? Yes, that is true. <laughs> Sorry, uh, if you don't know why we're recording this, we're recording this outside of the regular news. But anyway, uh, yes, um, the the awards happened. Uh, the results were long overdue, about a month late. Um, sad. I'm not sure if this is sad or happy to some people, but um, essentially most of the winners, uh, most of the major award winners went to Mainlanders, uh, including Best Picture, Let the Bullets Fly, Best Director, John Wen, Best Actor, Ge Yo for Sacrifice, not Let the Bullets Fly. Uh, best actress Huan Yi, the woman of Mirror Lake. Actually, this is the only. I think. I think we might be the only people who gave Huan Yi an award for that movie. Mm. Um, well, I, de- well deserved. Uh, although I think, um, uh, I don't think she was my my choice. I think I was with. Um, oh no, no, she was my choice. But originally, I had wanted to. I had wanted a Tang Wei as actress, and they ended up putting her as a supporting actress. Was what it was. Yeah. And she is pretty much supporting actress. But I went with I went with Gaoyuan Yuan because Don't Go Breaking My Heart made me fall in love with Gaoyuan Yuan. So mm-hmm. it, it was a, a very simple choice. But uh, like I said, Flying Sword of Dragon Gate, the supporting acting, screenplay, Let the Bullets Fly. The only Hong Kong winner of this uh, batch is actually Best Action, uh, Donnie for Best Action in Wuxia. Uh, so that was, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there will be questions because um, this year we changed the eligibility awards and we included uh, films... China films um, that were released in Hong Kong, which is why we included films like Sacrifice. And actually, the thing is, without Sacrifice and without The Bullets Fly, uh, we wouldn't really have much good movies to vote on anyway. Well, it would be really a different list altogether. 
I think so. Even though Virtual Recall will still be on the list, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the bad awards we have uh, Sleepwalker, a worst picture, um, overrated, most overrated, over two. Uh, I, I generally agree with a lot of these. Um, most bizarre film, Virtual Recall, which I think you must see to believe. Um, most disappointing film, The Lost Bladesman, again, very uh, agreed. And I think we should just start naming the most annoying award after Silfei. Because he's just gonna keep winning every yeah. year he's in is in a movie, so we guys start you know naming him, um, taking up space. I'm so sorry, Lucas. Uh, sorry, Nick. Sorry, Cecilia. Your son just won the taking up space award. Uh, Quintus is now brother of taking up space. We apologize. Uh, career suicide. Also, Cecilia. Uh, sorry, uh, Nick. 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 Uh, uh, don't get too excited. <laughs> also, uh, then. Um, otherwise, uh, pretty pretty good year all around. There's it's there is a, a Easter egg in the award page. Um, I'm not sure if Koza would approve of me telling you, but put the thumbnail over the the captured for the truck award and see what happens. So don't do this on your iPad. You just have to put your mouse thumb. <laughs> <over the> <laughs> And as you, I mean, I mean, Paul just did it. So yes, uh, see you, and you get a little surprise. Um, don't worry about simple life not being on this year. They will probably be on next year, and especially the the quality of the movie so far this year. Don't don't be surprised if a simple life sweeps in the award next year. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. probably. Paul, any, any thoughts about about the the awards? Um, no, I you know uh, I think I was pretty happy with um, the results, although not. All the results were my choices. I think that the, uh, as they stand, uh, pretty good stuff. Um, worst picture, haven't seen Sleepwalker, so probably won't see it based on that. The uh, thing, it's not even so bad it's good. It's just really uh, bad. Um, uh, most underrated performer, Alex Fong for Love is the Only Answer, was one of my choices. Uh, glad to see he got that. Uh, um, best use of slow motion, beach, beach Spike, definitely. Definitely needs an award for that. Uh, and the Truck Award. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Virtual Recall. Uh, that award makes so much more sense if you've seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but but there was a very liberal use of the truck. I mean, also, actually, next year we should give the Truck Award to Viral Factor because it just, it just had a very memorable but predictable use of the yeah. truck. And, um, and, and the truck is such a an over, is such an over actor that he is almost like a truck. Yeah. The the interesting thing that sticks out in my mind for the whole list is best new artist, um, Minnie Yang, for Mysterious yep. Island. Yep. You know you've got a very small talent pool when anybody is nominated for best new anything from Mysterious Island. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if we're gonna do Mini Yang, this should be you know best do artists. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's okay. <laughs> so there it is, the 17th annual Love Hong Kong Film Awards. Another year of fun. Uh, please check them out if you're interested in you know awards at all. And yeah, they speak for themselves. Uh, yep. Kenneth in the chat room says, 33D Invader made the award. Yeah, uh, yeah, it got the Dynasty Award. Uh, it won two awards. Uh, the eighth best film of the year. Yeah. And uh, also a Dynasty Award. Which is saying something. I'm not sure what it's saying, but it's saying something. It's saying that it should be seen... <laughs> well, okay, well, on the eighth best film, it's actually, I, I put it up on uh, best ten films as well. But anyway, that's... Um, yeah, so there's that. And Sex and Zen 3D got almost nothing. 
it's, it wasn't even most overhyped, and it should have won almost most overhyped. Yeah, I sure. voted for it for the yeah. for the most overrated. Um, uh, but yeah, um, so there, yeah, there's that. Please check those out when you have the time. Visit uh, that's www.lovehkfilm.com. All right, All right. Uh, let's move on and talk about some movies, shall we? All right, up first for East Screen, we've got a Taiwanese film uh, coming to us here in Hong Kong, starring Ella, one third of the pop group SHE, or SHE, as the shorthand sometimes is pronounced. Uh, and that is the film Bad Girls. Um, Kevin, are bad girls really all that bad? Um, bad Girls is just like what the title promised uh it was very bad okay but yeah that's first yeah it, this is the um has ella been oh yeah she was in Perf- new perfect too so i can't say it's her first film anyway uh the the the, the romantic comedy stars ella one third of the girl group sxg which i i think they officially disbanded already now but anyway this is her big film before her her wedding that came before her wedding um she plays Juan da chi who is um have a tomboy who who likes to uh, defend other fellow girls again against uh, bullying men. Um, one day, while the school is uh, uh, welcoming a film crew who is in town to shoot a movie starring Justin, um, the superstar played by Mike Ho or Mike He, whatever his name is convenient for him, I guess. Um, she she kind of ran, ra- runs onto the set while chasing after a little sister and then gets spotted by the director. And the director decides to cast her as the new star after the, the previous actress. Um, they realize the previous actress can't do the, the, um, the stunt or whatever. Yeah, because uh, it, it takes place in high school and there's a lot of gymnastics things. And Prani Juan Dachi is, is like the gymnastics girl. Or something, but yeah. Uh, so along the way, this this unlikely star um, kind of learns how to become an actress, and um, along the way, Justin has to help her uh, discover acting bug. And of course, along the way, they fall in love. And then for but then um, Justin also there's also a conflict with Justin because Justin actually likes uh, to make bread. He doesn't really want to be an actor, just like every major star, just like every superstar in movies that they don't really want to be stars. That they have uh, bigger ambitions. Uh, so he has to. He also has to deal with that identity crisis while shooting this film. Um, that's all I can really say about this movie because that's about all the plot they give us. And imagine that stretched out over about hundred minutes, right? Um, first of all, Ella, Ella is is about I think thirty years old. Uh, I I haven't done the official check, but I think she's like twenty nine, if not if not thirty. But she's here. She's playing a high school girl, a sixteen year old, and that totally doesn't work at all i mean it's she she is acting way beyond her years um she is just terribly miscast and you never really buy her at all as like a high schooler the whole time um the whole thing is like an annoying taiwanese idol drama made into a movie you know where everything is slapstick everyone talks too loud about two dials too too their volumes are two dials too loud and the slap the, the humor is about about five dials too high, and nothing really works. Um, you just don't. You feel, it's feel like they're poking you in the in the in the belly, trying to make you laugh, but it's not really working because everyone hates being poked in the belly, especially me. Um, and not much. So none of the humor really works. Um, the the directing uh, is terrible. I didn't even bother writing down the director's name. I think Seven Chan. That's the director's name. Um, at the end of the film, they wrote that you know free free 
important family members, uh, three of the crew members, uh, uh, passed away during the making of the film, and one of them happens to be the mother of the director. Uh, I am very sorry about that, but sorry, Seven Chan cannot direct a movie worth her life. Um, there are literally there are moments where it seems like everything is dragged out, the movements are dragged out, the editing is totally off. As a as a someone who come out of film school, it reminded me of a hundred minute film school movie uh, because it reminded me of my own directing. Which is a very big problem, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> it, it is a very earnest movie. You can tell everyone's trying their best. Um, but it is also earnestly derivative. It, nothing is original here. It, it seems like they're just checking things off. And they don't, even, they don't even bother thinking whether they make sense or not. Almost like, okay, what well, is the part where they have to argue? Uh, but it's actually the part where they should be... It, it, it felt like the scene where they should be reconcile, re- reconciling. But... No, let's just throw in an argument here for no reason. Um, in, in fact, it kind of just it becomes because there's a film within a film, right? But as it goes along, it feels like the two films are melding together, and then the bad girl is just slowly becoming a parody of itself. Like it's almost like Inception. You know, halfway it turns out you're just watching a dream. You know, it's like halfway it turns out you're watching the parody movie within the movie, but turns out it's actually the real movie, and then you can't believe it because it's so crappy. Um, everything in this movie is simply uninspiring. And you know, as a person who sleeps at movies, who sleep at good movies and never fall asleep at bad movies, I'm actually really surprised I got some sleep because this movie was really bad um and so in addition to 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 ella uh really never be- never believable as a high school girl you also have the male star mike ho or mike her because you can never tell he he always changes his name apparently from movie to movie he was named mike her in uh love at seven sight so i don't even know what his real name is anymore maybe it's james bond um seriously uh he should stop changing his last name but anyway mike ho has a really serious case of the red eye I think <laughs> at certain points, and just wondering, like, dude, dude, get some, get some, someone get some eye drops. You know, it's it's a serious movie production. Um, he also has a very serious lack of charm. I've been reassured that that Mike Ho is actually very good in television, in idol dramas, and perhaps he should think about staying there because he is. After Love at Seven Sight and Bad Girls, I am about to just simply avoid seeing this guy in movies altogether. So, um. Seriously, what did you think my rating was going to be? Just just skip this. I mean, forget this movie ever existed. I wish I could. <laughs> Paul? Yeah. Um, I already forgot what movie we were talking about. What movie we were talking about? I, that is the movie Bad Girls. No! Um, why do you remind me? Yeah. Uh, and it's really, I mean, for a movie with a title called Bad Girls, they're not actually bad. Um, they're just bullies, or no? They're just, they're just really strong. Well, it, it's girls. her and her two friends. One friend is good at at at, at you know science and stuff, and her other classmate is the the crafts person. You know, she's into the arts and crafts, and she's the fighter. She knows how to fight, and that's her thing. And she goes around protecting girls who get bullied by guys, and you know that makes her a bad girl apparently. Um, but you know, really. You guys watched uh, The Soul of Bread a couple weeks ago. I haven't had a chance to see it. Also a Taiwanese movie. Also focusing on baking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I immediately, as I'm watching this, I'm thinking, this is the sort of the nega version of that film, I'm guessing. Because from what I remember, you kind of liked it. We um, like we like Soul of Bread. Yeah, oh, so this, yeah. this, I would say, is, you know, in sort of the, you know, you have got, in Star Trek, you've got the negative universe where you've got, like, the evil Spock, right? So this is like the... The, the negative version of that film. This is the soul of board, 
right? Because <laughs> it was just it was just boring. Um, you know, as a standard film, it's got a music video right in the middle that sort of just breaks out of nowhere. And suddenly Ella is dancing and singing and she's got dancers, you know, people in the town are dancing and singing behind her. And it it's not anything that's done in the context of anything else that's going on in the film, really. Um, and then there's another music sort of montage at the end. Um, but the one in the middle is really just like they took one of her MTVs and stuck it right there um, as filler. And that was kind of, I, I don't like when films do that. I think music is appropriate at certain points. And if you're doing a musical, um, that's fine. But this wasn't a musical until that moment for some reason. Uh, the, the, you know, as you explain the story, yeah, she's, she, you know, is sort of the tomboy of the town. Um, she's a good fighter. She ends up getting, you know, cast in this movie unexpectedly and her and the main character undergo, you know, this growing relationship. The, the main character, Justin, I mean, was he trying to riff on Jay Chow? Yeah, I think so. Because it was just like, he's just, you know, he's just mocking, they're, they're just kind of mocking Jay Chow a bit. <laughs> And yes. I didn't find his character really... I didn't find any of the characters really interesting. And I, I kind of like Ella. Um, I've seen her before in some of her TV dramas. Um, she did a... They did a Taiwan version of uh, Hanakimi, which is very famous. It's uh, it's sort of the meteor... Not meteor garden. Um, um, uh, it, it's the one about the tomboy in, in the, in yes, the male school, it's basically, right? Yes, it's basically... Yes a re-variation of the the butterfly lovers story right where the girl dresses up as a boy and goes to school uh hanakimi is a modern version of that and so the taiwan taiwanese version of that starred her and uh, in that the uh the boy is the guy from fahrenheit uh i can't remember his name Wujin. yeah Wujin. He's, he's he's the love interest. And she was great in that. I really liked that series. But again, it's TV drama and TV drama humor. And that's what she's really good at. And that's what she's doing here, only it's not really working here. Um, and yeah, you're right. She is just way too old to be playing a secondary school girl. Kind of bought it a little bit right at the beginning, but over the course of the movie, no, she just doesn't look the part. Um, but you if know, they, she has like five layers of foundation. Yeah, on if her. they were going to do it, they should have just gotten her you know, uh, her, her other SHE co-stars and to come in and, and have them be her counterparts would have made it at least more interesting for fans to have the three of them together, I think. Um, the well, one of them is uh, still suffering from severe burns, so I don't think yeah. that... Yes, you but this, this, is, this is old, right? This is, um, this is not a... This is like a last year film. No, this was released last month in in Taiwan. Was it? I thought yeah. I thought I saw I thought I saw it was a 2011. No, it's day, it's almost nearly day and day. Hmm, interesting. Okay, yeah. but anyway, the 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 interesting part of the film for me was the town, and the, the, they're they're sort of nestled in this little valley, in Taiwan, um, this mountain valley area, and it's kind of like this small town feel. It, it that's an it was an interesting place. The cinematography in that place. Uh, was kind of nice at, at some times. I wanted to see more of the town. I wanted to see more of the townspeople. They portrayed the townspeople as kind of quirky, and they really could have spent more time developing the townspeople and, and their characteristics, and I think it would have made it a much more enjoyable film. They Instead, they just choose to focus on these two characters and their relationship, and that's kind of dull. Um, 
that is the problem. Actually, so uh, and and I think you're gonna like Soul Bread a lot more because Soul Bread they they copy the kind of Kate number seven formula. Is that yeah, play up the the charm of the of the town as much yeah. as and that's kind of itself. what they seemed like they were going for at the beginning, but then it, it they never really went anywhere with it. Um, and so yeah, the romance is just too typical, too contrived, nothing new, everything you've seen it before, except here they're doing you know sort of the movie within movie. I mean, would you compare this to Sammy's movie with Lewis? I didn't see it yet. Um, Romancing in Thin Air? Yeah. Because uh, that's kind of doing the same thing, right? No, because it's actually made by a director who has talent <laughs> and stars people who have talent. But I mean structure-wise. Structure-wise, uh, a little except, except the movie within a movie thing is actually more of a twist in the third act, mm. more than uh, not like here where it's a, it's a plot setup. So it, it, there are, yes, yeah, some certain similarities, but not nothing that's, you know, nothing where you would compare the two, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't really find myself caring about any of the characters, except there's this punching bad character who, who likes... Um, Ella, and he keeps running up to try and proclaim his love to her, and she smacks him and knocks him around the world. Uh, the first time she hits him, he ends up in uh, Saudi Desert. Arabia, yeah. and then it takes some time, and he comes back, and then the next time she hits him, what is he, he goes to the moon, I think, yeah. um, and comes back, and based on that yeah based on that you you get the sense that this is trying to be visually it's trying to be a manga you know it's trying to be a japanese comic book more than anything else because it's not taking itself seriously in any way shape or form except when it does with the romance it tries to take itself seriously and it just doesn't work um and the whole you know feel sorry for the actor you know, he's he's super popular. He's, you know, he is an incarnation of Jay Chow in this universe. And everybody loves him and he gets commercials and he gets, you know, movie contracts. And he's, you know, got all the money, but he's not happy because he can't bake bread like his dad did. Um, I've We've seen that so many times and it's, I you just don't feel anything for the guy, unfortunately. Because um, it just doesn't play out. Yeah. That being said, uh... It's boring for the most part, but I, like I said, I kind of like Ella um, based on what she's done before. She's not great here, but if you're an Ella fan, I'd say TV it. If not, yeah, you, you want to avoid it. Sorry, I, I don't even want Ella fan to watch this because they might stop liking her. <laughs> I'm not saying she's particularly worth liking, but if you like Ella and you would like to continue liking Ella, then, oh my God. Mm. Sound advice from Kevin Ma. All right, let's move on and talk about... West Green. East Green, West Green. All right, West Green. We are talking about Men in Black 3, uh, the latest uh, sequel of the trilogy now uh, from uh, <clears throat> director Barry Sonnefield, um, written by Ethan Ethan Cohen, as they spell it here. Um, based on the Men in Black series, if you've seen one, you've seen two, you kind of know what's going on in this universe. This is a science fiction universe where aliens are all around us, only we don't know it, and we are protected from that knowledge uh, by a secret agent group known as the Men in Black. Uh, originally, I think it was a comic book first before it became a film. Um, and, uh, you know, the vehicle starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones has found uh, success 
in both the first version and part two, and they're back in part three. Um, so this time, uh, basically the events center around an intergalactic crime guy, criminal, alien criminal, I don't know what you'd call him, uh, mob boss from another planet, uh, but his name Boris the Animal, he played by Jermaine Clement. Uh, he escapes the Lunar Max prison, which is held on Earth's moon, and um, he was put there by Agent K, who's Tommy Lee Jones, and he decides he's going to get revenge, and to do that, he figures he will travel back in time uh, to the time when uh, Agent K originally captured him and wounded him by uh, blasting off his arm, and he'll go back and he'll kill him and prevent him from ever doing that. Um, so in doing this, he disrupts the timeline, and uh, Agent J, who's played by Will Smith, um, is unaffected. He still remembers the original timeline, and so he decides to chase after uh, uh, Boris the animal and try and undo the damage that has been done. So that sets the plot. Agent J finds himself in the 1960s, and hilarity ensues. Um, so, I mean... I. This is one of those films that you'll you'll either like it or hate it really solely based on the leads themselves. Um, the, the, the premise is funny and it's silly. It's science fiction, but it's science fiction comedy, and that may not work for everybody. Um, but I think that there's enough here, if you've liked films one and two, that you'll definitely like this one. Um, I found this one to be more entertaining than the second one. Um, I haven't seen the first one in a long time. I remember I liked the first one, um, but I really enjoyed myself in this. It's a, it's a good, fun summer popcorn movie. It has funny gags, although the gags can be offensive in some places. Um, it does kind of embrace the non-politically correctness of some of the jokes, though. So I don't know if that's a sense of the pendulum swinging back in Hollywood or not, but um, Kevin, you were mentioning a story earlier that uh, apparently the beginning part had been cut from China screenings. Has that been, has that been confirmed? Um, actually the running times, uh, as, as indicated by cinemas, the running times is three minutes shorter than what we get here in Hong Kong, the original cut. Yeah. And, uh, people who saw the premiere, according to netizens, is that the, the scene in a Chinese restaurant, it's not the, exactly the opening, but yes, apparently the Chinese scene, the Chinese restaurant scene has been cut. Um, but that's a pretty long scene. That I remember. It's also a pretty significant scene. I think that, that that seems longer than three minutes. I think three minutes is about right. Uh, yeah, I think three minutes is about right. So I wouldn't be not surprised. But I would like to see how the film holds up without that scene. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it just it's I'm not sure why. I guess I guess it, it's either a premature move by the studio or is a soft soft requirement. You can never tell. Hmm. Um, but yeah, apparently that scene that scene has been cut, which actually pissed off many Chinese netizens. Were you pissed off by that scene? Why? No, I thought oh. it was funny. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't make it very clear. It's like, no, this is not about making fun of Chinese people. It's about this this guy, this alien pretending to be Chinese. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm me, so I don't know. You know. <laughs> what does that mean? I'm me. I'm me. I I am I am a fan of politically incorrect jokes, even about Chinese people. So okay. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> So you're not the person to go to. You're not the go-to guy to ask that question. No, no. I'm the guy who actually still laughs at changing Chong Chong. So what the hell? <laughs> Send your emails to <laughs> Kevin Ma at eScreenWestGreen.gmail.com. No, just kidding. That's not a real email. <laughs> I, I speak changing Chong Chong, yo. 
Uh, I'm fluent, but I better not speak it. I'll get in trouble. Um, all right. So the, 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 the point here is, is that they jump back in time and you've got Will Smith's character dealing, you know, also with some issues because he's going back to the sixties. They, they make light of it a little bit. Um, there's a very strong Mad Men feel for me here. Now I'm not a big Mad Men fan. I haven't really watched a lot of it, but I've seen enough of the series to know, you know, what Mad Men's about. And I was a big fan of, um, the, the one that was kind of considered in the same vein, uh, Pan Am, you know, another series sort of set in, in that era, going for that kind of aesthetic look and feel. Um, and they kind of do that here, but I don't think they played it up as much as they could have. And, and maybe people are starting to feel a little bit burned out by that. And then, so they wanted to pull things back a little bit, but I was really kind of hoping they'd go more, um, into the era and particularly into, the way that the, the organization worked in that era. I really wanted to see, you know, how things were done back then in contrast to what we've seen in movies one and two. Um, they touch on it a little bit. I was just hoping they'd go, they'd go further than they did with it. Um, the leads are all very good here. I, I really liked, you know, I mean, the chemistry has been good enough for them between the main two guys, um, Smith and Jones, that they've made three movies. But you've got the addition here of uh, Josh Brolin, who's playing the younger virgin, younger version, I don't know if he's a virgin, um, <laughs> the younger version of uh, Agent K, Tommy Lee Jones' character. And he does it so good. I mean, he really just pulls it out. Although a couple times I thought he was chan channeling George W. Bush. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's because of his role in W. Um, but yeah, Josh Brolin is equally great. Um of course, you are dealing with time travel here, and time travel in movies tends to make my head ache as I try and wrap my head around it. But they really throw some interesting angles on it here with uh, one, with one of the other characters. I don't want to give too much away. Um, so my head wasn't aching as much as in, in other time travel movies. Uh, the biggest, I think, treat for me and surprise was the villain, um, who's played by, as I mentioned, um, um, Jermaine, Jermaine Clement from um, uh, Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords, you know, which is, is is a great show, and he is just some of the impersonations that he does is is amazing. But I didn't know who he was playing in the movie, and so I'm watching this character through the whole movie, and I'm thinking that's Tim Curry, that's Tim Curry, that's Tim Curry, and then I'm looking at the credits, and it's not Tim Curry, and I'm going. My gosh, he was just such a dead-on Tim Curry villain, um, and and you know he did that so well. And and I don't know if he was doing it intentionally, if he was like doing Tim Curry villain as this guy, or if that's just how it came out. But it was great. Yeah, um, we all know that Tim, Tim Curry's dead. Oh wait, he's not. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while, so I, yeah. I since the Clue movie, right? No, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's done other stuff. Um, but no, um. Uh, who else? Uh, uh, Bill Hader from SNL had a great cameo uh, as uh, uh, Andy Warhol, which I think was perfect casting. And I, I could have sworn that he'd done Andy Warhol on SNL before, but then I went back and looked some stuff up. And I'm guessing I'm just confusing it with his role as uh, Stefan, which is kind of somewhat similar uh, in, in some ways to Warhol. But um, no, just some really good cameos, really fun all around uh, really enjoyed it. It's something I look. I'm looking forward to watching uh, again at another time. So I'd say definitely see it. 
uh, especially, you know, if you've seen the first two. I don't know if I'd say go into it without having seen the first two. You definitely want to watch the first two first. Uh, but Kevin, what would you say? Okay. Um, the thing is, I, I kind of the thing I, I think I might have liked part two more than some people because I, I kind of get what they're doing. I could see what they're trying to do, you know. Um, it, but it's just sort of execution. Just sort of, I, I wouldn't know how to execute it either, actually. But yeah, I, I could see what they were doing with two, and I kind of liked it in some way. Now that I'm watching it again on TV. Um, but with that said, yes, Men in Black 3 is better than 2. Um, however, Tom Lee Jones clearly did not want to be in this one. Um, with, like I said, no spoilers, but he is actually just in... He, he must well be like a cameo. I think he's in the film maybe 10 minutes total. Um, still, it, it, it's very funny. Uh, and three of those it? minutes got taken out in China. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. Just messed up. Anyway, um, funny gags, uh, very inventive character designs. Once again, uh, creature designs are, are, are great. Uh, a little more icky this time. I think even ickier than than the, the previous films. Um, I always really liked Barry Sonnenfeld's uh, deadpan humor. I thought actually he's a great comedy director, like Get Shorty and uh, even Adam's Family and even the first Men in Black. Uh, the way that he he does deadpan comedy, I think makes him you know very special director. And and once again that. He has that certain visual look. He, he got his career start as a cinematographer, so you can see that he has a very distinct look in his movie. Very clean, very white palette, um, big spotlight every, everywhere, very, very bright. Uh, and that kind of is there again, and, and it's, it's welcoming to see Barry Sonnenfeld's uh, film look again. Um, I thought Josh Brolin's hilarious. Will Smith is being Will Smith. He's okay. At least I think he was he's less annoying here than he was in the second film. Um, Josh Brolin, though, is another class on his own. He's doing a Tom Lee Jones impression, but without, but adding his own little charm into it. He's quite, quite funny. Um, the story is still kind of uninspiring. Um, I thought the first film was really fresh. You could feel like you're discovering something new along with Will Smith, and, and it was very much fun in its own way, even though slight, but it was fun. But I don't think that freshness will ever come back again. Um, I didn't feel here, even though I was more engaged here than I was then, than in the second movie. Um, it still feels uh, a little lacking because of the time. It always involves a very limited time frame. And I guess that's, that makes the stories really slight and almost, you know, unimportant. Almost not worth its budget. It, it costs like $300 million. Um, so I, I don't feel like it, it's, it's still up to par as to a really good, as good as the first movie. Um, still, and, and let's face it, no spoilers. Uh, but the ending makes no sense. The ending makes absolutely no sense. And you know what I'm talking about when you get there. Um, the, I'm not talking about the very end. I'm talking about kind of like the third to last end. But you you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, the ending makes no sense. A huge plot hole for a movie that has like five script doctors. You would figure, hey, that you figure, you know, someone figured out, hey, like that doesn't really make sense. But still, I liked it. I had fun. I think it's good enough. Um, I was glad that it wasn't a disaster. Um, and uh, people around me had a lot of fun. So it's a very good summer blockbuster. Um, and if you follow the series, even though you hated the second movie, it's, it's still safe to approach. Um, the first two movies aren't prerequisites, but they're not going to um, explain any of the concept to you. At least watch the first film because the first film is very good. And and you don't really need to um, you don't really need the second film to connect yourself to the third film anyway because these are kind of on their own installment. Except that know that in the second film they brought back Tom Lee Jones and now he's a man in black again, which is why it makes sense. Even though the end of the first film he he's no longer an agent. Um, yeah, so 
see it. Uh, free. Don't don't try. Don't watch it in three D. By the way, forget the three D. I don't even care about. I don't remember. I don't remember it was in three D. But turns out it was in three D because I looked at my ticket price. <laughs> that, that's how I know it was in three D. It, it reminded me. The, the ticket price kind of jumped out at me like it was 3D, but it was, it was just me being shocked. You know, um, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, the 3D in this movie was actually kind of okay for me. Really? Um, more so than any 3D film I've seen since, I want to say, I don't know, since Avatar, really. There, were, there, there wasn't any... There any were memorable. quite a few moments that I think that were geared where the 3D worked kind of okay. Again, I'm not saying I, I'd say see it in 2D. I think uh, the times I mean, talk about the time travel sequence, with the way they they pulled out time travel actually it was quite creative. Yeah. And yeah, it did create a lot of little bit of free moments. And now that I think about it, there might have been a lot of a few of those, you know, throw stuff at the screen moments. Oh, there were yeah. a lot. especially with the, the the hand thing that he was yeah. always flicking out the spikes. That was always coming out. And that 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 was kind of annoying after a while. But um I don't. I remember in the beginning at the, at the Chinese restaurant with the 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 big fish, uh-huh. that that sequence seemed to be the three D there seemed to be really engaging for some reason. The latter part of the film, I forgot about it. I don't know. You didn't watch it in IMAX, of course. No, no. Yeah, and I didn't either. But I, I don't know. It, it, I will remember the film for the humor. Actually, I don't remember most of the film already. Now I think about it, but you know, it's it, that's how forgettable it is. But uh, I just remembered the film more for its humor and the plot than the 3D, and I don't even know why they bother except to make more money. Yeah. So, uh, so on that, on that, I'm sorry. It's I don't think the 3D is worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but still, see, see it. It's, it. It was fun. It's a good summer blockbuster, and it's not crap. So go for it. All right. Let us move on and uh, talk about some videos. The East is blue. Wait, what? All right, we have a video pick this week. It is the DVD of Love Lifting, uh, because there is no Blu-ray for the film currently. Uh, This is... Sorry, let me pull this up. Um, This is the Universe release, um, coming from Universe Digital Entertainment. Uh, It is a single-disc release featuring 5.1 surround, uh, traditional Chinese subtitles, simplified Chinese subtitles, and English subtitles, uh, widescreen format, and uh, multi-audio channel. Region 3, so it's a Region 3 disc, so unless you have an all-region player, if you're overseas, you will have some difficulty playing it. Um, now, we reviewed this film um, earlier this year. Uh, it's a 2012 released, and I really liked it. Um, I found it to be a, a, an engaging story, and one of the things that I remember is that uh, some of the cinematography, because it's the apartments in which the main characters live in, is this small um, sort of seaside village. It, some of the cinematography I found to be really nice uh, when I was watching this in the cinema. And so I was excited to see you know, what they did in terms of video transfer. And I got an email uh, a couple days ago um, asking about the this very thing about the um the the quality i got an email from steve he says when you discuss the love lifting dvd please touch on the encoding quality of the film the universe dvd i got seems to have a very compressed version of the movie somewhere between normal dvd and vcd quality uh if you don't have that issue i'd like to know maybe i need to upgrade my all region player which is many years old um well i've got the same problem on my disc, so it's definitely some issue that they've they've not encoded it properly, or 
Uh, I don't know what they did, but it really does look... It's not as bad as some VCDs I've seen, but it's definitely not up to DVD specs. And I've played it on two machines. I've played it on... Um, I've played it on my um, my iMac, which usually has very good screen quality. And I've also played it on my uh, home theater system. I have a DVD, all-region all DVD player that does upscaling. So it's supposed to make the movies look better. And uh, a lot of time, you know, typically for with mo most discs, it makes them look great. This one almost had no effect. Um, it's really got some, some problems um, with... Just the images, they look blocky, and uh, it's, it's not clear. It's not, it's, it, the, the scenery just doesn't look good, uh, as I remember it from the film. So I don't know if this is, um, if, if what they, you know, they pulled a bad print when they burned these, if this is indicative of the entire, um, the entire lot that's been released. I'm assuming it is if Steve's having this problem and I have this problem. I'm guessing it's pretty much uh, universal on the universal disc. And uh, I don't know. I'm hoping that we'll get another version, a DVD, a uh, Blu-ray version at some point in the future because um, I kind of hate the way it looks. Uh, it kind of ruined the film for me now. Uh, I don't think I'd recommend somebody to go out and buy it if you don't already have it because it, unless you're okay looking at a DVD that looks like a VCD, um, it is kind of pricey for that kind of image quality. Uh, I believe my, the copy I bought was a Hong Kong $99, which is, uh, was that about $12 US? Yes. But you know that it'll go to like free for 99 about two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I should have waited. Uh, I didn't, wasn't thinking it was going to be that, that bad. In terms of special features, um, there is a making of, uh, which is basically several segments of uh, Elaine and uh, Chapman Toe being interviewed. Um, you do see the director in a couple of places, but the director is not directly interviewed about the film. It's basically the two leads talking. That's only about eight minutes long. It has Chinese subtitles that are on screen. They're not selectable. There are no English subtitles, and it is in Cantonese. Um, that's it in terms of the special features. So as a total package, I'd kind of say it's a pass, unfortunately. And I hate saying that because I really, I really, really like this movie. Um, but it just looks so bad. I, I, I can't believe that uh, it's this bad. I, I'm wondering if, it's, if it was a bad lot or if it was just, uh, you know, intentional. I don't know. You've, you've got more insight into this kind of thing, Kevin. Oh, but Honestly, I truly am not surprised that Universe has delivered a bad DVD because uh, the fact that they, they kind of just throw it, threw it out, um, knew, they knew that the movie didn't make a lot of money. and and um, Would this be something, I mean, uh, you know, working working for, for a company, would you be likely to see returns based on something like this? People sending um, back discs thinking they're defective or something? It has happened on previous um, uh, a certain American companies' port of, of Hong Kong movies, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's happened before. Because I, mean, I know last week yes. we were talking about the, the Cedic Ballet Blu-ray having a problem. I mean, this isn't a problem of playing, but it just it doesn't look like a DVD. You... Yeah, uh, because the Tai Sang versions of uh, movies like, you know, I Love Hong Kong, they usually rush them out so quickly, uh, like pretty much two weeks after theatrical in those US versions, they rush them out so quickly and they have this, they have really bad transfers and burn on subtitles. And we've had 
to deal with people who rightfully wanted better quality, expect better quality, and return them. Um, and uh, and I'm this is the first time I've heard of a Hong Kong distributor, at, at least in this day and age, still making such crappy transfers. I mean, we're, it sounded it sounds like an old non anamorphic transfer of a movie that cost ten dollars. The way mm. you make it sound. And honestly, I'm not surprised that any Hong Kong distributor would end up resorting to putting out this kind of crap. And and the thing is, it's probably selling so few copies that they aren't going to really hear much complaints. Hmm. So we're not gonna. I don't think we expect much improvements. Um, I'm wondering if I, I should write a letter. You should. I fully believe that you should let them know that you're not happy. Um, they deserve. They they do. Deserve to know, and they have a right to know. And what they what they do with your complaint, of course, is their choice. But I think that they they should know that mm. you know there are people out there that's not happy with shoddy products like that. Yes, not happy. Makes me want to say this. It's all Khan's fault. Was that the c word? <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> dude. <laughs> All right. Uh, let me play this. You're listening to the East Screen West Screen podcast. Visit Comcast.com for more. Right, uh, comments. Uh, we had an email that came in, an email question that came in. If I can, uh, where did it go? It was here a minute ago. Gosh darn it. Okay, there it is. Uh, I had an email asking us about uh, Korean podcasts. This is from a listener named uh, Kurau, if I'm saying that correctly. He says, Hi there, I'm a big fan of Asian cinema and I like listening to your podcast. But I would like to know, can you tell me of any good podcasts about Korean cinema? Thank you. Um, well, I know of three off the top of my head. I know we tried, we, we try and cover Korean films that come out here in Hong Kong. Um, Kevin's pretty diligent at getting out to the cinema and watching them. Um, but there are three other podcasts that I know of that do cover Korean cinema. The first is uh, V Cinema, the V Cinema cast uh, podcast. Um, with, uh, I think Rufus is one of the, was one of the hosts. I'm not sure if he's still with them now. But I know they cover Korean uh, Korean movies from time to time. Of course, a friend of the show, uh, Kenneth Brorson, and his massive podcast on Fire Network, um, they have a segment called uh, What's, what is Korean, or What's Korean Cinema, where they go through and uh, look at uh, Korean movies and, and sort of investigate it. Uh, and then uh, there is uh, the other podcast uh, that we've um, uh, had some contact with uh, that is called Podcast Without Honor and Humanity. And uh, I know that uh, he covers some Korean cinema on his podcast as well. As far as a, a podcast that is dedicated to Korean cinema, uh, sort of like what we do here where we talk about films that are current and playing in the cinema, um, I don't know of any offhand. I don't know if Kevin knows of any. And I certainly, I'm, I'm assuming there must be some in Korean. I mean, uh, th there have to be some in Korean. Uh, but in English, I don't know if there are any podcasts in English that are based in Korea that are talking about current cinema. 
Um, but if you're a listener out there and you know of one and you'd be able to uh, help us out and help uh, Kurao out, uh, please uh, drop us a line over at the website. Uh, and uh, Kevin has promised that he will be diligent and going out and uh, talking about more Korean cinema in the future. Yes, I, I watch a lot of okay, mediocre Korean rom-com, so I can talk about, about that. Hmm. Really, more than I should, but yes, there it is. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it, folks. As, as always, if you'd like to be part of the show, uh, you can head over to our website at congcast.com. That's K-O-N-G-C-A-S-T. Or you can put you know, one word or you can put a dash in the middle. Um, both of those will work. Uh, and put the dot .com at the end. Of course, you can find us over on iTunes. Uh, we'd love to hear some feedback from you there if you have the time and the inclination. Uh, Twitter.com slash congcast for the show to follow out what we're doing when we're broadcasting and what's going on. Um, of course, you can follow me at twitter.com slash foxlore, but usually I'm just uh, tweeting about inane stuff and video games and uh, Hong Kong nonsense. And I'd urge you to follow Kevin Ma, who's uh, twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. That's one word. And he often tweets about films. He tweets about uh, movie results and what films are doing what at the box office and all kinds of news and who China's angry about at any given moment. Uh, that's always changing. So please follow him and keep up with his uh, very exciting tweets. Uh, if you'd like to email us at the show, you can email us at eastscreen, as one word, eastscreen at gmail.com. Um, you know, send us a question, a comment. We'll talk about it here on the show. You can even send us a short audio file, a question, or a review, and we might just play it. Of course, if you are iTunes-averse, you can also catch us on Stitcher. You can listen to us on your iPhone, your Android phone, your BlackBerry, and your WebOS phone. Stitcher is smart radio for your phone. Find it in your app store or at stitcher.com. Stitcher smart radio, it's the smarter way to listen to radio, and we thank them for their support of our little show. Let me throw some thanks out to people. Uh, Rob Gubbers over at Schnauzer Studios for our theme. Uh, Ross Chen of lovehkfilm.com for keeping us out watching films and, of course, for doing uh, the, the film awards, which we just mentioned uh, earlier. And, of course, Kevin for sticking with me through 111 shows. And, of course, all of you, the listeners, everybody, guys in the chat room, Kenneth, Podcast on Fire people, all you guys, uh, Hong Kong Dave, who's packed and ready to come visit us here in Hong Kong. We're looking forward to chatting with him and uh, hope, hope, hoping he'll, he'll be able to pop on the show, have time to pop on the show next week when we talk about... Uh, what are we talking about next week? We've got the cases. Well, you guys are talking about the yeah, cases. The cases. <laughs> uh, some of you might remember I did a, a guest review over at uh, lovehkfilm.com called The Unbelievable. Well, this is like the sequel to The Unbelievable, so... I've decided, committed that I'm going to go out and and, and be tortured uh, by this reality TV show. Unbelievable. Um, yes, my Jim Chim impression. <laughs> so, yeah. So, we'll be talking about that. Anything else on the horizon that we're going to talk about next time? Well, this weekend, I'll be watching uh, Rowdy Rothon, yeah, the, so got... the latest, the return to action from the man known as the Indian Jackie Chan. Mm. Very, very excited about so that. So is this just a straight-up uh, Bollywood action film, or is it going to have music and dancing, too? Oh, even straight-up Bollywood action film has test dancing. Mm. So, yes, we can expect dancing, lots of action, uh, and, and I assume uh, a, a dude with a porn beard. Um, and it, it should be fun the day and day release so actually we'll be we're hoping to rope in some more Indian listeners with this show with day and day release yeah that'll be awesome things like that you gotta yes. give out flyers while you're 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm very excited for Audi Rafael. And uh, West Screen, we don't have much. This weekend, I'll be catching a Taiwanese from Ding Tao, leader of the parade. Hmm. The the big surprise hit uh, from earlier in the year. West Screen, do we have anything coming West Screen? I think we have a... Uh, uh, I think we've got a bit of a Snow lull. White. I think Prometheus... The Snow is... White movie. No, is... we have the Snow White movie. Coming. Is that this week? Or... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The, the yeah. Charlize Theron movie. Yeah, uh, that's a definite C from my household, so... Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be talking at least about three films, uh, a couple of East Screens and a West Screen, all of that, and much more on our next show. Until then, this is East Screen, West Screen, wishing you good viewing, and we'll see you next week. Talk.